This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take it with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. Head to shop1in5.com to take the pledge. Make that commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards a small business. We also invite you to shop the directory if you don't know where to find other small businesses. It's right there on the page. And we're asking for you to share the pledge. Imagine if each of us told three to four people about the Shop 1 in 5 pledge. It would be an incredible and life-changing for so many small businesses. Tell your friends, your family, and your social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sitap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my holiday getting ready co-host, Mina kunlo Situp. Hey, Mina. Ho, 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 Jacqueline. (laughs) (laughs) What month is it? Oh, that just came out of me. Oh, I love it. Um, you're my little elf. Um, yeah, no. No, that's Santa. Obviously, the elves are not saying ho, ho, ho. This is my Jewish friend. She knows nothing about holiday. Jacqueline, this is Santa. <laughs> the elves are probably like, I don't know what the elves say. They're like, They're just let's make some toys. And we're working. Yeah, yeah they help scale mm-hmm. Santa's handmade business. Thank you, elves. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so anyway, so today, you know, this is a conversation that comes up a lot. We see this a little bit more so within our masterminds. We work with really, you know, incredible business owners in there where they are scaling their businesses. They are, you know, really starting to see the results come in, you know, whether they're, you know, $100,000 business owners, multi six figure, even seven figure, which is million dollar business owners. They tend to hit this at any stage that they're in, even as, you know, multi-million dollar business owners. Now we also see this for just, you know, any, any of us out there, you know, even if you've just started your business and it's the idea of imposter syndrome as someone else is doing something and you're like, Oh, I should be doing that as well. Yeah. I think in, especially, I think it's significant stages. So when you're in startup, you 100% feel this because you're like, am I doing good enough? Do people want to buy from me? Am I selling this in the right way? And then you get, you know, moving along and then you get to, let's say a hundred thousand. And it feels like this is where I wanted to go. A lot of, for a lot of people, that number is really significant. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And then they get to there and it's just like, oh my gosh, how do I scale it even further? So it's like every restart time. Mm -hmm. And then we get them to, you know, 
probably like 500,000 and they kind of go through the same thing because they have to add on team members. And then as they go to million dollar, it starts over again as well, because then it's just kind of like you're regressing in your thoughts a little bit and you're feeling that self-doubt of being in this new environment of now I'm at the million dollar mark. Now, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think if we talk about it from the startup stage, right? So people who are in that startup stage, maybe they're making, you know, $2,000, $5,000 a month, um, even ten dollars to $15,000 a month. We, we could start there. But the idea here is, is that I think a lot of times business owners feel like if they look around, they look at other business owners and like, oh, they're making that. Oh, they're making that. Oh, I should add that, right? They're thinking, maybe my customers would want that too. A lot of times, if your revenue is not there yet, I think product bosses out there will think, well, I need to add more, right? I need to add more to to actually get the sales because I'll capture, I'll capture more customers. Like it's a casting a bigger net and you'll capture more customers. But that's not really true. We haven't seen that happen. We've seen more so when you really lean in and you go deep and not wide on your products and you're really known for something, that's when you'll really start to see that momentum and that snowball of sales. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with, for sure, exactly what you were saying of not seeing that happen because you don't know how to clearly, you don't know how to clearly figure out what's working, right? If you're doing too many things, it's like, okay, I'm going to do you know, a, a product line of 50 things. Well, unless there's one superstar that stands out and you lean towards that, who knows what's happening? You're telling, you're trying to sell 50 different things. So the messaging is way off. The customers are confused. And then you see people selling other things over in, you know, their sphere of the world. And you're like, oh, I want to add that too. It becomes really distracting and you're not sure of what you stand for who you sell to and what you, you as a person want to make, because it's hard. It's hard not falling into that trap, you know, for anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're known for. I think if any of us think about bigger brands that we may know, we might know who or what we're going to get from them. Rothy's shoes a few years ago became really well-known. If any of you know that brand, they um, have recycled water bottle. They made shoes out of recycled water bottles. They came out with one style of shoe multiple patterns to the shoe, but one style, it was like their slide, um, with the pointy, the pointy tip. Right. Uh Um, and they really leaned in. So they had, you know, Instagram ads, anyone that was on Instagram following anything fashion, you probably got served a Rothy's ad, you know, Facebook as well. And they just kept, they kept reinforcing the shoe, how the shoe is made and all of the styles, the shoe, how the shoe is made and all of the styles. So as all of us were served up all these ads and all this content and really got to understand Rothy's and the shoe, you know, they started selling them and they sold more of them. And then they saw prints that were doing really well. And then they made more of those prints. Like I think their leopard print does really well. Cause you'll also see that in many variations. This is how you mm-hmm. can all kind of go in, um, creep on other brands. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. follow them long enough, you can pay attention to, well, okay, they were selling a regular leopard print, let's say black and tan. Um, but if it comes out in red and black or green and black, you know that it was a bestseller for them and that they then leaned in and made more variations. So now cut to several years later, I've seen ads on TV for them. I obviously have a big marketing budget, so ignore all that part, but they have different styles 
right? They mm-hmm. have like more like band style and um, different styles now. And that's when they really expanded. But they didn't go and look at other shoe brands and say like, we should do boots and, and sandals yeah. and all the things. They started by being true to what their customers wanted, true to really refining these products and getting really good at that and being known for it. And then they were able to, you know, branch out and create other styles. Yeah, for sure. Like they started with what you said, the pointy toe, and now they're go- they've gotten more like sneakers or whatever comfort wear. And now they've even come out with purses. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, tying the outfit together. But what did they start with? They started with the pointy toe shoe. They were put on the map for it, literally put on the map for it. They were known for it. Everybody came to them knowing that these are what Rothy's makes, right? And so a lot of times we fall into the trap of this imposter syndrome. You know, even let's say, let's say you're a shoemaker right now, like you make actual shoes, you're a fashion, a fashion startup. You look at Rothy's and you're like, but they're doing so many things. I want to make purses. And boots yeah. And all the things. You're like, well, they're doing right. it. I should do the same thing. Yeah. I want to do sneaker like shoes. I want to do um, purses. I want to do toe point that, you know, has a bow across it or doesn't have a bow across it. You know, so you get lost in what they're doing and you forget that you need to figure out what you're doing and stick with that because that that is good enough, right? What you're doing is good enough and that you need to figure out, okay, this is what I'm doing and is this what's selling instead of, you know, seeing that, okay, let's cast a really giant net, try a whole bunch of things that I see in my industry and then try to compete with somebody who's just been in the industry for a lot longer than I have and has a budget way beyond anything that I'm capable of right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, product boss. Can you believe it's already time to start gearing up for the holiday season? The busiest time for product bosses is coming up fast and we want to help you get ready to make it your best one yet. Because if you're being honest and we're being honest, right about now, you might feel like you hardly have enough time as it is. How are you supposed to fit 100 hours into 40? How can you get all the things done? You're not sure your business can handle the influx of the holiday season. You'd love to scale, but how are you supposed to do that? especially if you're making everything yourself. And you're not even sure what to focus on. Which products should you be highlighting? How many do you really need? Is there a way to scale without offering a hundred options? And spoiler alert, yes, there is. Well, you're not alone, friend. So many product bosses feel this way, especially toward the end of the year. And we're here to help. That's why we created our upcoming free workshop series, The Product Boss's Guide to Getting Holiday Ready. We're hosting three free workshops where we're sharing some of the biggest tips and tricks on how to prepare yourself and your business so you can make the most of the profit pop at the end of the year. We want to help you gear up for the busiest time of year so you can crush those goals and make your holiday season the best one yet without the overwhelm because we know you want to enjoy the holidays too. So... Head to rockyourholidaypromotions.com slash free dash workshop. And yes, that's a mouthful. So the easier thing to do would just be click on the link in the show notes. And let's gear up for the end of the year together. So many times I think we catch brands, especially when brands hit the mass market, we see where they are now versus where they started. And I think 
many of us don't realize where they started and how they started unless the founder has created some sort of, you know, story. Um, like Sarah Blakely, you know, with like Spanx, for example, she leaned in and she shared her whole story. And so then you're like, oh, that's her journey. Right. And we always mm-hmm. think about those and think they're glamorized or or whatever. But so how do you keep your blinders on? What would you suggest to people to when they're looking outside of their businesses and thinking, okay, but I should be doing all these other things and making more things and selling here and selling there and doing all the things. What would you suggest they do as they're leaning in? Really simple solution for me, I think that I would start with is that I know that that's like a strength and a weakness of mine with being a creative entrepreneur. I need to feed my soul in that way, but I also need to keep it in wraps, you know, like not get too crazy. So I will, I would say, you know, save creative days for Fridays. You know, it is a muscle creativity. You do have to exercise it. And it's a gift too. Some people are not creative as others, you know, I mean, I, for sure. And so being a creative is really a strength too. It's not just about you know, don't be creative and don't do this and don't do all the things. It's about harnessing that and exercising it and and playing around with it. And so just maybe save it for Fridays. That would be a simple solution for um, somebody who's like, okay, this is the easiest answer that we, you know, could give you to start. Yeah. And I would add to that, that numbers don't lie. So if you look at your numbers as actual data points, because I know a lot of times people get scared of, looking at bank accounts or revenue or, you know, when we ask, well, what are your numbers? What have you sold? What's your best seller? A lot of times people can't come to us with that answer right away. Mm -hmm. But if you look at numbers, if you look at your bank account and your revenue in, you know, your cost of goods, whatever it is, as just a data point, you can then track that and decide like, is this working or is this not working? So I would say for me, like keeping my blinders on would be like looking at the numbers and saying, Am I getting the results I want from this particular product? Um, we've worked on, we work on this in the workshops that are happening right now. Um, we work on this in multi-stream machine is the idea of figuring out, you know, what your best seller is. And you know that because you're selling most of, that's the most that you're selling, right? You're selling the majority of your products are coming from that and you could see the revenue in. So why are you spending your money on all these other little like things, you know, happening where like, You have to pay for different jars, vessels, components, raw goods for all these different products that is actually draining your bank account to fill, to make those when the money is in, uh, you could probably identify the top products that sell for you that generate the revenue. Yeah, for sure. I think just, you know, like what you said, I think you have to really embrace that refinement that happens in your business. You know, a lot of times, like even, even in service, right? We look at people that are doing all these different things for launches, or we see people doing, you know, when they're doing this and they're doing this, it's really hard not to follow that same path and be like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Because you don't realize that you didn't actually want that in the first place. It was that you got kind of caught up in it, you know? that it's like, oh, that looks really fun or that looks really amazing or that seems like my product, a a product that I would absolutely love to have, you know? Like for example, Jack and I could come up with, you know, when we're even thinking about the product of our service business is courses. We could come out with courses, any course under the sun if we wanted to. And there's a whole bunch of other people doing all types of courses, for example, everything under the sun. And it is hard to keep our blinders on, but we really have to, Think about, is that what I really want? You kind of have to fast forward your vision a little bit to be like, okay, if this is the path I take, 
is that really where I want to be? Or does it seem like that because I see other people doing it, you know? And so I think we all kind of um, felt, fall into that. So maybe before you make any big decisions to add on a product that you're going to be investing money into or a, you know, a campaign or any sort of thing that you sit with a decision for a bit, you know? And then, you know how they say like to mute people on Instagram if they kind of like trigger things that that you're not even sure Mm -hmm. what you want. Yeah, you you sit with it, but you do it in a silo in a way. Like you don't um, have other people influence what you want to do. So you're, you're literally putting blinders on. The mute button is a blinder. And so you make the decision in your own way to move forward or not. So then you know that it's a solid decision based on what you want without outside influences. Yeah. And I would say, you know, in that silo and sitting silently and thinking through it would be, well, what do I need to do? Like, how much would this cost me? How much would this cost me to add on a new product? Or how much would it save me if I refined and got rid of certain products, right? You can look at that and say, is it, is it a pain in the booty to my team or to make it? Is it really costly for making this because some of the the uh, materials are really expensive and actually they kind of buy this other product anyways. Um, so you can really, if you want to go back to numbers and sort of calculate that, you can also calculate, well, what's the effort and time that's dedicated towards the energy, the energy that goes into this. And if you were to think to yourself, okay, going two ways here, you look at all your products and you go, you know what, this one's really not performing. And if I dropped it, what would happen? If you feel a sense of relief, then you kind of already knew in your gut that that wasn't really working well. Um, We've done this multiple times with our students where they've shared their product lineup. They've gone through what their best sellers are and their poor sellers. And we've looked at that. And even we've even helped students that a best seller was the most expensive and had the most um, customer service issues and didn't have the best margin. So while most a lot of people bought it, it didn't have a good margin and had high customer service issues and returns. So dropping that product out of the uh, out of the product lineup and leaning into other things that just work better for the business. And we've seen businesses scale scale and make so much more revenue just by doing that. Yeah. When Jack and I teach about bestsellers, we really tell you to lean into your top 20%. So 20% of your um products, products will make 80% of your revenue. Well, that happens in the flip too. Cut the 20% that you don't want, the bottom 20%. So if it's a problem child's like what Jacqueline is saying for that particular product, it was a, a you know a lot of customer service issues. The margin was not great. All those things. That is a poor sell. Um, even though it's a good uh, bestseller in, in terms of revenue, it in profit margin, energy, Efforts. time and resources, team effort, all those things, it was put into the you know, lower 20% and it was cut because it did not make it to the next round of scaling, mm-hmm. essentially. You know, So really think about that as far as it's okay to cut products out of your line. It's done all the time and um, it's needed because you're cutting the waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasted time, wasted energy, wasted money. Yeah. And you're putting it where you know is going to make you money. Yeah. And and like Mina said, mute, stop following, don't follow people or brands that um trigger you. Like if you're if you're like, oh, that person's so much further ahead of me. I wish I could be there. And it makes you feel bad about yourself. 
right? If there's, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. people that you follow on social, even if it's us, unfollow us. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. Like we make you feel bad. We like, you don't need to follow people that make you feel kind of crappy. And so sometimes like when I'm envisioning mode and we're creating and needing to build a new product, first, what we'll do is we'll, we'll start with what does the customer want? So it's the same with you. What does your customer want? Not somebody else's customer, but your customer, right? Get that feedback and you can build it. So when I'm in that mode of like, what does the customer want? And we need to build a product for it. That might be when I go and I do my market research and I look around, I'm like, what are other people doing? What are my competitors doing? What um, can I get inspired by? And then do our own version of it. If, if it's adding products to our product lineup, if it's not, I'm talking kind of from a product-based business perspective over here. If it's not that time, if it's that time to really dig in to go deep, you know, like you're heading into certain seasons that are busy and it's not the development time, but rather, you know, you need to produce and sell, produce and sell, then mute it, turn it off, focus, focus in, right? Get rid of that imposter syndrome, feel really good about all of the things that you're doing and you're going to see your business's scale. So we've seen that for our students in multi-stream machine. We've seen that for our own product-based businesses. We've seen that for service businesses and we know it's possible for you as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you. And for all of you that are in the workshops with us right now, our product boss guide to getting holiday ready workshops are totally free. Put the link in the show notes. I know you're hearing about it everywhere that you listen to us or follow us, Um, but we're really seeing incredible results. And this final workshop in the workshop series is really going to help you refine your products and figure out what to focus on as you move into the holiday season to make more profit and to make your life, honestly, a bit easier during the really busy holiday season. Yeah. And a bit more fun too, because these workshops have been amazing and fun and interactive and just the the amount of people as far as who's in there, but the, the contributions and the generosity of everybody's knowledge has just been amazing. So hop in there. You will not regret it. And, um, it is definitely worth, um, $0, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. It's worth the free. It's worth spending the time on it, but it's absolutely free. It's worth way more than it's worth a lot. It's worth a million (laughs) dollars, but it's absolutely free. We will see you inside. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the product boss podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. 
Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop One in Five Pledge, and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge if you head to shop one in five dot com. The link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family, and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.